Hello and welcome to Maiden Voyage Season 4. We are super excited for our very first episode of the new season and we wanted to kick it off with a topic that we all felt really passionate about. So we're talking today about vulnerability in the workplace. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. Okay, so specifically around vulnerability in the workplace, we found a figure who is prominent in that landscape called Brene Brown. And many of you have probably heard of her since she's such a big name, but for any of you who haven't, Brene Brown is a professor, she's a lecturer, a podcast host. She's basically spent the past two decades studying courage and vulnerability, as well as shame and empathy. And she's taken the, the science behind what she's learned there and applied it to the workplace and personal lives and has written five different number one New York Times bestsellers. Um, she is truly incredible and has influenced people across the world to embrace vulnerability both in the office and at home. So we first kind of got into talking about her because of her really iconic TED talk about vulnerability from 2011. And we know this video is, wow, crazily nine years old already, but we still felt like it was super relevant to the way we feel today and the way that we can apply vulnerability on our own. So the ladies, the mermaids here, we all ended up re-watching that uh, Power of Vulnerability TED talk that she released back in the day. And we, I just wanted to give you a brief recap of kind of what we took away from it. And then the ladies, we're gonna open up the discussion here to talk about some of our biggest takeaways. So in this TED Talk, which we'll make sure that we share on our Facebook page that you could check out if you haven't seen before, uh, Brene Brown talked about how through her research on shame, she discovered that there's one variable between those who feel a strong sense of love and belonging versus those who don't feel that way. And that all boils down to the fact that people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe that they are worthy of that love and belonging. So they have a sense of courage in their heart and the idea of the courage around being imperfect and that being okay. They exhibit a lot of compassion for first themselves, right? Because they're the most important one and then onto others as well. And they also find a strong connection between the feelings of authenticity and being vulnerable. So in order to make connections with people, we need to be open and honest about ourselves. So I guess I kind of just wanted to open it up from there. What do you like That's a great synopsis, Jen. And I found um, hearing her talk a little bit about in the beginning of the TED Talk, she talks a little bit about like where she came from and her, her background was in social work. And the fact that she, as soon as she said like lack of worthiness, it immediately reflected for me that I was like, man, like I can only imagine in her line of work, how many individuals she's come across who have been in put in unfortunate circumstances in their lives, um, born into them or, and found themselves in them just being in the line of social work where worthiness is probably a challenge it's almost a luxury for them 
because they are in survival mode at times. Um, just from what it sounds like some of her work had been. And so I found that to be really interesting, right? That like, she's like doing this day to day, like her job as a social worker and then her study of vulnerability leading to worthiness just to me had like a really, really nice connection that um, I can understand how she got there, first of all. So I found that really interesting. Um, and then the thing she said about self, self love first, how like being, Whole, wholehearted people, the people who feel that they're worthy are these wholehearted people as she defined them. And I'm looking at my notes over here. Um, have the courage to be imperfect, she said. The compassion to love themselves, as Jen said, first. Um, and the connection as a result of that to authenticity and vulnerability. So this is like her three-pronged approach. If like you're looking for a really watered down version, her like three-pronged approach was this like courage, compassion, and connection is what she's talking about, right? So I then found it to be even more interesting that she's notating that loving yourself first before you love others is like that first step of compassion in her three-pronged approach to worthiness. Um, I'm like going to sell this. I feel like it's a great, it's a great model she has here. Um, that is never taught. That's not something that is taught to us from a young age is the idea of like self-love. It's like, be nice to your friend. Like I'm doing that now. Like be nice to your friend, be nice to your teacher, be nice to the dog, be nice to me. But very few times in the day, am I saying, be nice to yourself. How do you feel take a moment and be nice to yourself. There's like some parenting techniques that I do utilize that are very introspective and reflective. Like, I see that you're upset right now. Let's talk about that instead of scream at each other. So like there are techniques out there, but self-love is not something, it, 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 even as a toddler, you're very much like be nice to her, be nice to him, be nice to them um, first, which I found very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think some of it boils down to just in general, like a sense of belonging too. like we want to belong so strongly and fit in with other people that we offer that affection and grace towards other people. But then sometimes we feel like we're not good enough, especially if we value other people so highly that it can be really toxic though, to talk about yourself We're you know, we're our own worst critics sometimes. And like you said, Jackie, sometimes I try to be really mindful of the language that I use about myself when I'm talking to others too. It's easy to kind of like slip in that, that, uh, insecurity bucket and it's okay to be vulnerable, but it's not okay to be hard on yourself. And I don't know your own worst enemy, I guess. Well, but it's easy to be that way, right? So like, I think a really prime example and this, I, I over the last three years have had to learn how to do this myself is when somebody compliments you for something. Yeah. Right? If somebody's like, you, your hair looks great. You look fit. You look like healthier. You look, I love your this. I, great top. Most of us don't say, thank you. They say, I got it on sale. I've been working out really hard. I, we are like defending the compliment. Like right. we're like trying to brush it off somehow. It's because of something else 
that I feel or look or am this way. And after having a baby, you lose weight because that's what happens. You gain weight and then you lose weight, hopefully, right? If some of you want to do that, of course, maybe you don't want to, do you? I did. And then as I was losing weight, people were saying, you look so good, you look so good, you look so good. It took me a while to be like, thank you, but say nothing else. There's no but. It's just thank you, right? Like, yeah, no disqualifier, no right. no minimizing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's really hard to just say thanks. Not like, oh, I got it at Target for $2.99. <laughs> right? Like, doesn't matter where or how you came to be that way, right? Like, it's, it's okay to just take a compliment. But then it's that, like, it makes you vulnerable because people are looking at you and judging you and making a conscious decision to say something about it maybe and and that might trigger people people might feel very triggered by being told they look or feel or are presenting themselves a certain way um so but i think that like that self-worthiness that you were mentioning jen that's a big play especially women have a hard time of just appreciating a comment and not but and a comment. right and I think that's a huge takeaway to la to loop into it, to catch yourself when you notice that you're like, but butting. <laughs> and yeah. so great, but, and be like, oh, nope, rein it back in. I'm going to try to practice to accept this graciously and love myself the same way that you're loving me right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with you. Well, so I know, Carissa, when we were just kind of bantering back and forth a little bit, you were talking about how you felt like the vulnerability talk specifically resounded with you about work in the way that you felt at the workplace. Do you want to share a little bit more about that for our listeners? Sometimes like uh, I've, I've heard this like saying before that you have like different uh, pillars of your life. And so work is work. Like your personal life is your personal life. Your art is your art. And like, they all need to be kept separate and they should all be separate emotions. And like, and that, that makes sense to a degree, but like what Brene was saying in particular about like, like if you numb yourself to like bad emotions, you're like, I don't want to feel shame. I don't want to feel bad about myself. I don't like, I don't want to let the negative things in, or I don't want to let the bad stuff in. Then you're like numbing yourself to like what it's, it's kind of like, there's always like rainbow after the rain, right? Like if you numb yourself to like the bad stuff in life, like you're preventing like the joy that comes after that. And I like that, that really resonates, um, like from a work perspective for me, because like, if I just like always like, just, I'm not going to let work get to me. I'm not going to take it personally. Like, I'm not going to like submerse myself in it. Then I would like never get like joy and like happiness and like passion out of my work. And that would be a bummer if I did that to myself. And I feel like that can, that can be rolled over into like so many, like other aspects of your life, but like professionally in particular, like you, some things just have to suck sometimes. And like you, like Julie, like one of the first things like she pointed out to me, she's like, you're really not um, like, you're not always great at being new at like a lot of new things at once. And I, I wasn't, I'm not, and I'm still like working on that. But sometimes you just have to like let things soak in and like you have to like struggle a little bit in order to get like the reward that like comes from struggling. So that's kind of where I feel about that. Yeah, I would say that that's definitely a great point. I mean, just in general too, I, I, I almost feel like it's, like you said, it spills over into different facets. It's not just work. Yeah. 
but work is something that most people hope to be passionate about. We would hope that we all find a job that we love and care about. And the, the exact opposite thing that you want it to be is a draining thing that you feel apathetic towards. And that means coming with some of the hardships, like you said, or being vulnerable, putting yourself out there in order to feel that, that spark. And people see it on you too, and they experience it. Your clients or whoever you work with, our listeners here professionally, they will see if you don't care. It's very evident. And they are attracted to a person that who is invested and who loves and who can be authentic and I know we keep saying the word vulnerable, but it just is. It's just a word. I mean, we had a great episode last season where we were talking about, in light of COVID, some transitions that we were make working from home. And we were talking about the idea of extending grace to ourselves during this difficult period, especially for us as remote workers where we're, some of us had children at home, our whole routines were flipped upside down. And we were in this exceedingly vulnerable moment where we took a professional setting and suddenly it was created in a little bit more of a personal scenario. And we shared in that episode that it was some of the the ways that we really revealed what was happening in our day-to-day -day lives that was even more endearing, you know, your child coming up on your Zoom call with your client and waving and saying hello, that really showed a vulnerable side of you to still be able to have a professional air, but to show that you are a real human being who loves and has their own life. And I think that in any sense, you need to find a de delicate balance between being personal with your coworkers and still maintaining professionalism. And that's hard to find sometimes. I would fully agree. Um, and I have personally treaded that line too far once or twice in my career and really had to reacclimate as I got older in my career in where, what that line means to me and um, how much I'm willing to share versus not willing to share. And really for me, it came down to a word that Brene uses often is authenticity. And I feel like it's such like, that word has been like beaten to a pulp. So I'm like not going to really dig into the word itself. But for me, I, I don't, I'm not good at keeping things back. I don't keep secrets. I'm not good at hiding things from people. Like I tend to be an open book emotionally, personally, I have zero shame in any game that I own, right? So like I have vulnerability because I think I feel like a fraud when I'm not being fully authentic or myself. Like if I pretend to be like really corporate and like, you know, like of course you have different facades or different um, guards up or walls up when I'm in a client meeting versus when I'm with my colleagues, right? Like, yes, there are things you say and don't say in certain situations. Like I'm not a pro-social pariah. However, even with like prospects, like I, I am who I am and I think that's what made me and has made me successful in, you know, the last over a decade of years in my career is because I just am who I am. That, that's it. It's unapologetic and it just is what it is. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea um, and I think age allows you to find grace in that. Yes. Getting more mature and being more of who I am for a longer period of time has allowed me the space to say, I don't care if you don't like me. 
you'll find someone else who you like. I have my people who love me for me. Mm-hmm. I love me for me. But now I'm, I'm here as I am. I'm being vulnerable in every aspect of my life and authentic in every aspect of my life. And like, jump on the train or don't. But I'm not going to then manipulate myself in a boardroom, like, or the bar. That's, this is just who it is. I think when you can take that kind of ownership, but again, that leads me 100% back to like the first comment I made about like worthiness and how like these open-hearted people feel worthy. And I think I was just blessed to be raised in a household where like it was full of hugs and love and uplifting, even though it wasn't a white picket fence mom and dad live in the same house kind of place, right? Like I, I come from a family with, I have four parents, I have two moms and two dads, right? Like I was very blessed to have lots of people to love me, um, but it's not that, you know, Brady, well, I guess it was kind of Brady Bunch, was not the white picket fence America, right? That like is perfect. I don't think you have to come from a perfect home to have worthiness and vulnerability and authenticity be a core part of self-love and of who, who you are. I think that it's something you can find in any situation if you want to. I love that you said that. And I pulled this up because um, Brene Brown talks about how she's always loved Maya Angelou. And Brene also talks a lot about um, a sense of belonging, which is kind of like what you're hitting on here right now. Like belonging, belonging is very different than fitting in is what Brene argues a lot in her book. And you can have a sense of belonging no matter what by belonging to yourself and your values and who you are and no matter what situation. And I pulled up the quote, which would be really fun for us to share on our Facebook page, but Maya had said, you are only free when you realize that you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. Which is crazy to me, right? Like by not belonging anywhere individually and belonging within yourself, you belong every place all the time because you always feel comfortable in your own skin. And I just think it's so beautiful. I think that Maya has the, again, the ability to look back on life experiences. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old she was when she came up with this quote, but she wasn't 17. She wasn't 22. You know, like those are such awkward phases and not to say that you can't be vulnerable and authentic and have self-love and be open-hearted and, you know, you know, at that age, but look, we were all 17. I don't think anyone felt strong in their own skin or in their bones. You know, it takes time to uh, marinate on who you are and who you want to be and what matters to you and where you're willing to like put a stand down for. And, and even like professionally, right? Like, There are things I will not do at a job as a salesperson. I have morals that I will not break, that I abide by. And if it doesn't feel real or authentic or true to myself, I will not do it. I will leave. I will find another job. I'm not going to allow you to make me feel a certain way and question my worthiness and my self-ability to press forward because, you know, whatever it is that, that I'm uncomfortable about. And I think that like, Professionally speaking, nobody should be working somewhere where vulnerability is a, a negative thing. You should be able to feel, and, and, vulner, and that comes from the top. Vulnerability in an organization and comfort comes from the top. This like open door concept is trash. Uh, you can say you have an open door concept all you want. It's when you actually have an open door policy and people feel that, that's when they believe it. And so 
having that as a core value, I think is great. But what do you do with that core value every day that allows your mid entry, you know, intern level employees to say, I have an idea because having an idea makes you vulnerable, right? Like I'm going to say something that might not make sense to the crowd right now, but it feels right for me in this moment. Not all ideas are good ones, but that doesn't mean they should have the space and the freedom to share. If you can't do that at your organization, you're not at the right one in my opinion. Absolutely. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, management just has to make it open. They have to make you feel safe to share it because no one's going to be vulnerable if they feel like they're going to be chastised or felt wrong for doing it. Hear someone like Brene Brown talk and you hear her talk a lot about um, vulnerability as this big thing, but sometimes it's just a small moment and it's, it's the way you say something or that you say something, not some huge like revelation, right? So sometimes vulnerability is just saying to a client, hey, you know what? I don't the answer to that, but I can find out for you. That's being vulnerable and doing what we do and engaging with clients the way we engage with clients, there's so much value in that right? We're the shepherds of our clients' marketing spend or sales spend or whatever the case may be, right? And if we make up an answer because we're afraid to say we don't know something, we've potentially just misspent our clients' money. So there's a huge business impact of not being able to be vulnerable. You don't need to be 100% the expert all the time. You just have to be willing to say you can find something out or you can learn. Um, and at the same time, right, I say, I try to say this a lot during internal meetings. I don't like disclaimers and qualifiers and things like that, right? If you have an idea, I want you to share it. If we're brainstorming, you could say, I don't know, we should change the company colors to orange and pink, which is, um, Impulse's brand colors, just in, in case anyone doesn't know here. Um, I would make an orange and pink. Great, let's write that down somewhere. We can unpack that later if we don't all agree, if we don't think that's right. But if you can't say something, if you can't put an idea out there in an open brainstorm, then you're right, Jackie, like that's not the place to be. It's hard too, because sometimes even if you as an individual are willing to be like that. It's just not the company culture of some places. And that ties kind of back to what Brene likes to talk about is like shame monsters and stuff, where even if you are vulnerable, let's say you're in a company meeting like that and you do stay out, throw out orange and pink and the company's colors are very neutral and you get like dirty looks or someone looks at you like, what the hell is this girl on? Like what a, what a crazy or whatever. You also need to be in a willing, accepting environment around people that are willing to be vulnerable too. Um, well, and like hearing no isn't you're a bad person either, right? Yeah. Like, it takes a lot of not so great ideas to get to one really, really golden juicy nugget. And it's all like, you know, we were just in a meeting with myself and, and Julie and a few other members of our team talking about like, kind of a big thing that we do here at Impulse and like, what if we do this? And we spiraled out for over two hours. And then in the last 10 minutes on separate calls, just like brainstorming and like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. And like, we've all had offshoot conversations about it. Like, we're just kind of like manipulating our brains and each other's comments and like 
vibing off each other, what works, what doesn't, I don't know. And like, maybe this all means nothing and we've wasted our time and that's okay too. But we're, we're in this space where like a creative outlet, just a free flowing idea, a zone like that, it honestly, that stuff, that stuff makes me feel worthy and jazzed up and like an integral part of kind of how the organization at here at Impulse moves is that, you know, our, our boss Remington wants to hear what we have to say. Like he doesn't, he is a, I think the, one of the reasons why I enjoy working for him so much is he doesn't want yes men under him or women under him. He doesn't want someone to be like, sure, whatever you say, boss. Like the challenge is what keeps us reinventing and reimagining what the future of not only our business, but what our industry looks like. And only our clients get better for that, by the way, right? So I think that, and not every organization is going to be as creative as we're lucky to be because we're in like marketing and sales and web design. And I love working with all these creatives, but even in past, like Julie, even in past, when I was working with accountants, you know, which like, there's always a way to reimagine something that you're doing, whether it's a process or, you know, just the way you come to the table, even an agenda. There's ways for you to speak up on things that aren't working and be vulnerable. Put your arm out there to say, this isn't working for me. Here's why it isn't working for me. I brought, I, I've kind of come up with this idea. How does this feel for you? So I think if you're going to be like vulnerable in the workplace, it's always better to be vulnerable, but to have something to back up your statement. So it's, and we've talked about this, Julie, and, and I think before where like this, like, I don't like that. It should be changed. Yeah. It's not a good idea. Don't do that. Yeah. I don't like that. It's not, it's not enough. Right. right? Why? Why don't Hello? you like it? Hello? Right. Especially with what we do, right? There are a lot of things that clients put into the world because it's what their buyers need and want and look for that I look at and I say, Ooh, that's not for me, but it's not for me. Right. I'm not the buyer. I'm not an accountant. So it doesn't really matter what I think about the content for the accountants. It matters what the accountants think about it. And if it's what works for them, then it's what works. Um, which is fascinating. But I think the other thing that Brene does really well that ties into this idea of kind of speaking up, Jackie, which I think is what you're, you're getting at, is she has a way of introducing a concept that seems kind of crazy, kind of radical, usually uncomfortable, but she does it in a really disarming way without having it be a disclaimer, right? She doesn't say, you're going to think I'm crazy, but blah, blah, blah. She says the crazy thing. And then she adds the humor. She adds the twist after, right? She leads you into that and recognizes that she's saying something crazy, but why don't you think about that, right? Why don't we think about what's going on? Um, and it turns out that crazy thing maybe connects or maybe makes sense. So um, that's what I really appreciate about her. She has that little bit of, of self-deprecation that really works. She recognizes who she is, how she thinks about things, what her approach is, the things that make her uncomfortable, which are very often things that are very contrary to the work that she does. Uh, so I, I love that. Um, and I always enjoy listening to her just in general. Yeah. 
She's really funny. I found her very clever. Her delivery is on point. If you haven't listened to this TED Talk, you definitely have to. Um, I also loved how she was like talking about how a therapist goes to see a, see a therapist and doesn't want therapy. Like it was hysterical. I was like, I see you and I hear you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. The I BS meter. It was like, that was like one of my favorite parts. <laughs> BS meter is strong. <laughs> I think that's the wonderful thing about her. She does, she is a researcher by nature. So she, she gets deep insights into, like she was saying in the TED talk, people sent her intimate like journal entries about shame or, or they just got sincere with her and she gets that up close and personal picture. So she can really empathize with the people that she's trying to help, which is exactly what we have to do in marketing. And in order for us to be empathetic for our clients, we need to be empathetic towards ourselves and aware of ourselves. And it's like a circle, like we've been talking about. It doesn't just go one way. It all connects. Yeah. And I, this is a little bit uh, different of a, it's just on the shame topic especially for like any of our like younger listeners, because I'm still relatively new, like, you know, early on in my career too. Don't let your default emotion be shame just because you're young. Like, I love that. I, the amount of times, like I go, I like teeter on that line, like all the time of like, like I have this thought, I have this idea, and I don't think it's good enough because I'm too young, because I'm too inexperienced. I may not understand the full picture. And like putting yourself in the vulnerable state and like being like happy and open-minded that you had like an idea to begin with should be where your mind goes and not just default. Like I'm gonna say it, but like I, I don't I don't really feel good about it. So I'm gonna be shameful about it just in case it sucks. Like that way everyone already knows it's because I'm new. Imposter huh? syndrome, Carissa. Imposter syndrome? Yes, that is imposter syndrome. You don't feel like you deserve that. You're, you don't deserve the position you have. You don't feel good enough. You don't feel worthy. Uh, yeah. Even though I know, they know more than me. I'm not going to say anything because they know more than me. And who would want to hear what I'm saying anyway? And I do it all the time. Remington's like, I do it all the time. I'm like, I, I don't know. I've only been doing this over a decade. He's like, yeah, you've only been doing this over a decade. Like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think something is so, like, duh. Yes, you should be doing this. But the other person doesn't know that. Like, you are that, and we all have it, girl. We all have it. Jackie loves to pretend that she doesn't know marketing strategy. And then she pulls out, like, oh, so what if we did blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, yes, Jackie, yes. You're a marketer, welcome. I know you think you're a career salesperson, but secretly you are a marketer. See, we all do it, Carissa. It doesn't matter how old or how long you've been doing anything. I think this is, that really, imposter syndrome ties really nicely into like vulnerability. And, and we've talked about that in previous episodes. I think we did a whole episode on it where you just like, you don't think you deserve the recognition or the respect or have the, the, the foothold to speak and be truthful and, and know what you're talking about, but you do, you do. Yeah. And again, like something that Jen mentioned before, um, or like I, one of you mentioned before, sorry, it like, it comes from the top, like that, the ability to be okay with being vulnerable and to like say what you think anyway, like it comes from the top. If you don't feel that from like your managers and like your leadership, then like everyone stays quiet and then you do just end up with a company of yes men and women and it's sad. 
Huntington is so great about just creating um, like psychological safe spaces, mm-hmm. right? These moments and places where you can say whatever it is you need to say. And I think as a leader within this organization, but also for any leader anywhere, knowing that you have the power to create a psychological safe space, right? Regardless of the culture you're in, the person who is um, managing you, you can create that elsewhere. Um, And that facilitates vulnerability too. And sometimes you can create it up into a certain point in an organization and that's where it stops. And then you have to decide if that's something you're okay with. How long can you sustain that if you are a creator of the space but not a recipient of it? Um, And can you influence things on the way up or not, right? There are a lot of different components organizationally about that, but it kind of starts with one person making the decision to create that environment. So it's great when it's the CEO, it's not always. And I think we've all been on both sides of that, but you know, tremendous work can be done um, and you can have great outcomes if you, if you do implement it. Funny you say that because we've actually done on this season or not this season, this uh, show in general, two episodes with a wonderful woman named Anise Cavanaugh. And she talks about this idea of bubbling up and that there are people in the room or that you will work with or surround yourself with that can kind of just bring your energy or your frequency down. We've all seen like, she calls it in the book, like George, that guy in every meeting that just has a sour disposition. He's always like out there to say something mean or nasty. And she says that, you know, like Julie said, you have the power of bubbling up and not stepping down to their level or like feeding into their negativity. And by you remaining on that high vibration there, you're attracting other high vibrations and other people to be vulnerable with you, but don't, don't feel shame or feel like you have to hold back because of like the Georges of the world is basically what I get out of that. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We talked about a ton of stuff. I don't even know how long we've been like chit-chatting now, but if you've tuned in this far, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is our first episode of the season, so we have plenty more to come. So make sure that you're subscribing to us on Spotify, on YouTube, everywhere. And we look forward to next time. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.